If somebody asked you how your body felt when you had certain emotions, would you be able to answer? Would you be able to get specific? Did you know that the more aware of your bodily sensations you can be in a non-judgmental, gentle, and curious way, the more you can do to help your mental health? Today, we're talking about the physical correlates of emotions. So many of us know our feelings just from what we are experiencing in our head or in our metaphorical heart. But today, we're going to learn exactly how to better identify what goes on in our bodies during our emotions. If you've ever wanted to get more in touch with what your body might be trying to tell you about your emotional feelings, you'll want to listen to today's baggage check. Welcome. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and I'm so glad that you are here with me today. This is Baggage Check, mental health talk and advice, with new episodes every other Friday. Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. Incidentally, it is also not a show about how many times you'd have to paint a room until it gets noticeably smaller. So let's get started. Today, we're going to get physical. I want to talk about the physical correlates of the emotional experience. For those of you that have read Detox Your Thoughts, you'll know that a huge part of the beginning of the book is devoted to understanding the mind-body connection and just how cyclical it can become and how important it is to interpret our physical sensations in a non-threatening way. And how the anxiety response in particular really gets bad when our thoughts feed into our physical sensations and then we catastrophically or negatively interpret those physical sensations even more. That's the heart of a panic attack, basically. Your thoughts feeding your physical anxiety and then your physical anxiety feeding your negative thoughts. We know it's very hard to have a calm body when your thoughts are anxious And it's very hard to have calm thoughts when your body is anxious. That's another key point. So we're actually going to devote quite a lot of a future episode to talking about physical anxiety in particular in terms of the fight or flight response and how all of those scenarios that go on in your body physically during abject fear used to actually serve a purpose And now they really just kind of make your armpits sweat during the anxiety triggers of a modern office rather than in cave dwelling times. So I'm not going to over-focus on anxiety today. What I wanted to focus on instead was the broader array of emotional reactions when it comes to the physical realm. Because I think this is one of those things that when people come to therapy with me, they often have no real foundation in. They don't know their own bodies. They know they feel mad, but they feel like they can't control it. Well, guess what? You're never going to be able to control anger, quote unquote, if you can't first recognize where you feel it. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. And the truth is there are classic physical sensations that go along with every emotion you can think of. Not just anger, not just frustration, but fear and sadness and guilt and shame. 
So before we get into exactly what those emotions tend to look like physically, I want to talk a little bit more about the cycle of why it matters. So many of us that feel overcome with emotion have a really hard time with the pause. We basically feel like the emotion just hits us and we can't sit with it. It's so overwhelming. It's so scary. We fear that emotion itself. And often that's because of messages that have been around for a long time in our minds. Messages about what emotions mean, which ones are scary, which ones are unacceptable. Certain feelings mean that we're weak. If we experience this emotion, it's bad. It's automatically going to get out of control. So we carry along a lot of messages about what emotion means. And oftentimes those messages make it so that when an emotion comes up, it's very scary for us. Of course, like we've talked about before and like we go into depth about in Detox Your Thoughts, when we're frightened of an emotion and we constantly run from it, we don't get as much practice in managing it, which means that it becomes scarier. And the more we avoid it, the less skilled we actually are in managing it. And so the emotion does bring a dysfunctional response. So really examining some of the messages that we have about emotion in our minds can be really, really important. But what we're really wanting to focus on today is managing that physical part of the emotion. So let's think about that for you. If I were to ask you, where do you feel sadness in your body? Would you have an answer? If I were to ask you if you feel guilty about something, how would you describe that to somebody else in a physical manner? If you don't know these answers, that's why we're here. A lot of us can go through our entire lives and maybe roughly knowing that when we're fearful or scared or angry, we have some physical sensations but really not noticing our physical bodies in other emotional ways. And so that's why we're focusing on it. You know, this is where the language gets really interesting because the English language, and I know many, many, many other languages, probably all languages, have these idioms, these sayings, these phrases that speak to how we feel emotion physically. Like the whole concept of heartbreak. How did that metaphor become a thing? Well, many people who've experienced extreme grief or loss or sadness can tell you it's not really a metaphor at all. That chest pain is very common, not only in anxiety, but often with severe heartbreak. You actually feel like your heart is broken. And so probably since the beginning of time, people have experienced emotions very physically and have used words to describe it in that way. Somebody's a pain in the neck. What does that actually mean? It means there's that muscle tension, that irritability, that agitation, that intrusion, frustration that you actually feel like with increased muscle tension, right? Remember, your brain is an organ just as real as your heart or your lungs or your liver or your spleen. 
and your brain is connected to the other organs. They're all working in tandem. And so you feel this stuff very physically. So I want you to be able to spend some time today getting physical and personal, thinking about how you feel certain things. Let's start with anger, because that's the one that most people can identify most easily. If you start getting mad, maybe it comes on all of a sudden for you. Maybe it comes on gradually. For a lot of people, their jaw is where they first feel it. Maybe their jaw starts to get tight. A lot of people that are under a lot of stress might actually start having jaw pain in general, or they might start clenching their jaw a lot, or they have dental problems, or they start grinding their jaw at night. That's where we carry a lot of tension. And maybe if you're particularly angry in a way that you feel thwarted from doing anything about it, you're kind of clenching your jaw in this very, very clear way of saying, I want to scream, but I can't. Heat in your chest is very common when you are angry. A sense of actual energy there, but energy in a negative way. Energy that can't go towards good. Energy that feels like it has nowhere to go. Clenched fists, obviously very common with anger. And when some people can't pause, they're going to use those clenched fists. They're going to hit something. Shallow breathing very common with anger, your increased heart rate. This is all the nervous system agitation that also looks very similar with excitement and very similar with fear as well. A lot of times with anger, people have a pounding head. It's like it's throbbing and maybe they wouldn't describe it as a headache, but it feels like the intensity of energy is building up in their head. They might feel the urge to yell. Think about the urges that you have when you're angry. What are you most prone to do? Are you most prone to scream? Are you most prone to just say stuff that you regret? Are you most prone to drive fast or get physical or explode at somebody or get passive aggressive? All of these things, though, can be tied to what you're actually feeling in your body. Because people think that, for instance, anger management means learning not to get angry. And I would really urge you to understand it in a different way, right? Nobody can go through life without getting angry. If they did, it's probably not healthy, let's be honest, right? Anger management would be learning to manage the anger when it comes up. Not learning to avoid it or not have it, but learning what to do with it. Okay, so think about all of these emotions as being made less scary when you can understand them. And they can be made less intense and you can help them pass more quickly when you understand what they're actually doing in your body. So that's another important component here. When we know that anger makes our jaw tight, what can we do? Well, we can massage our jaw or we can do a muscle stretch. When we know that anger makes us have more shallow breathing, how can we counteract that and slow our breathing down and get some deep belly breaths or use diaphragmatic breathing techniques? Okay, let's talk about anxiety or fear. And again, we'll have a whole episode on the very fascinating fight or flight response and how we actually feel that in our day-to-day lives, when we're talking to our boss, when we see a cop pulling us over, all those types of things. So I don't want to over-focus on just anxiety, but let's touch on the very common physical correlates with it. 
right? Butterflies in your stomach. There's another beautifully evocative piece of language. It's like your stomach is fluttering, right? And again, there's a reason for this. Evolutionarily speaking, your digestion has probably stopped if you are feeling anxiety because your body says, hold the phone. There are more things for us to deal with than that sandwich, right? But this has, of course, in modern day effects, a way of making us feel like we're even worse off because, oh, I'm supposed to give a speech and now I feel like I might throw up. A sense of clamminess, that sense of sort of sweat or maybe like a cold dampness. Once again, your heart rate with anxiety or fear might start palpitating. People say it's pounding out of my chest, might feel tingling in your limbs, might feel dizzy. Once again, the shallower breathing. Tension in your neck is very common. This is where that anger, anxiety overlap happens. Other muscle tension, the urge to flee, or of course, the urge to take flight, right? Fight, flight, or sometimes freeze. So think about how you know that you're scared. If you were to describe to a Martian what the human body, or particularly your human body, feels like when it's fearful, what would you say? Because although we're going through these general tendencies, it's really important that you know exactly what it feels like for you because everybody's different. And if you're going to have a personalized plan for managing your emotions in a more functional way, in a more calm way, you're going to need to know exactly what happens typically for you. Doesn't matter what happens to Bob, unless your name is Bob, right? Let's talk about sadness hollow chest, sunken feelings like in your facial muscles, a sluggishness. Sometimes people will talk about their muscles feeling weighed down. This is where chest pain comes in, but often not like a heart palpitating chest pain, but more of a sluggish piercing chest pain where your heart again feels broken. A sensation of this weight on you crushing in Oftentimes, of course, the urge to cry, feeling tearful, the urge to curl up in a ball, the urge to be enveloped with some comfort. This is why so many people sort of take to their bed or wrap themselves up in a blanket when they're feeling sad. So think about, do any of these things resonate with you? And again, if you know this about yourself, then what can you do about it? If you're trying to get this weight of sadness to be a little bit more bearable, maybe you can do something that makes your muscles feel uplifted as hard as it might feel to do some sort of movement. Um, maybe when you really, really need that sense of comfort from a sensory object, like wrapping yourself in a blanket, you can have that because that urge is something that actually is functional and will help you feel better. Okay, let's do two more that are kind of related. There's guilt, right? People will talk about this as sort of a weight in the pit of their stomach. This sense of heaviness that's, you know, maybe a little bit less in the chest or the head and more just like something's off. That that chimichanga you ate was not very good, but instead you know it's just because you feel really bad about something that you did. There's that general muscle tension, but not typically in the way of that, ooh, there's this trigger right here making me fearful. 
but more in unease. This is why people have a hard time sleeping at night. There's another part of our language. I couldn't sleep at night if I did such and such. This element of unease, the muscle tension, the digestion having a problem. That's a lot of times what we feel like with guilt. And again, if you're really struggling with getting through guilt, there are lots of angles to focus on. Like, can you make amends? Can you right the wrong? Can you have a strategy to do better next time? Can you learn from it? But also physically, how can we release some of that muscle tension? Might a massage or some exercise or a hot bath be helpful? Finally, let's talk about shame. Definitely a big overlap with guilt, but they're not exactly the same thing. A lot of times shame shows up in the face too. I mean, for some people, this blush response is really, really, really strong. The extreme blushers, there was even an episode of This American Life that touched on this. Some folks have surgery to try to stop that blushing response from being so intrusive in their day-to-day life. So some of this kind of overlaps with embarrassment. Shame can sometimes be seen as sort of an extreme version of embarrassment. I'm being ousted. I'm not part of the crowd anymore. I've done something so horrific that I no longer have a sense of belonging. Everyone's viewing me as an outsider. So nausea is very common there, but again, in the face, maybe some blushing, a prickly feeling a lot of people will talk about when it comes to shame, the urge to cover your head, the urge to not be seen, the urge to avoid, to crawl up into a ball. All of those things are very, very common with shame. So I have to ask you, do you recognize yourself in any of these sensations? Or even more important, are there other physical sensations that you notice or other emotional experiences that you notice that are aligned with physical correlates that I haven't talked about. What would it take for you to recognize these feelings physically? And how can you really get specific about it? Because again, the whole reason that we're doing this is because the mind-body connection is so strong that one of the biggest mistakes a lot of us make is not recognizing how our physical body is affecting our mood and vice versa. So this is kind of a step one. The more that you can recognize exactly how your emotional experience affects your body, the more you are able to practice mindfulness, to be able to endure those physical sensations, to understand them, to be curious without judgment, and to let them pass much more quickly. So with that, I'll say, go out and start noticing. Or stay in and start noticing. Of course, that's okay too. Thanks for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check, with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at Baggage Check Podcast. Give us your take and opinions on topics and guests. And you know you've got that friend who listens to like 17 podcasts. We'd love it if you told them where to find us. Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Daniel Merity, and my studio security, it's Buster the Dog. Until next time. Take good care.